Welcome to the Sample Podcast, guys, and I'm on Social Dynamics Podcast in the world. And today with me, I have someone that has had a huge impact on my life. I'm talking about the biggest impact you can have on someone's life. This person that I'm about to interview has had that. So I'm going to get into the story because it is transformational. But today's guest that we have with us, the original strongman, the OG YouTuber. This is the OG, guys. The master strongman, the strength coach, and the mentor to over 2.4 million men around the world. He's the OG YouTuber popularizing deadlifts, strongman challenges, strongman training, warehouse gyms, bioenergetics, reading books, active meditation, philosophy, hybrid muscle training, as well as breathing into your balls. The man that him and I both broke the internet with our last video. And so today I'm like, yo, what can we make today? What can we make right now? He's being a public figure for, you know, close to nearly 20 years at this point. So he is someone that if you don't know who he is, I would urge you to go check out because this man is fundamental in the ways of my teachings, fundamental in the ways a lot of people's life and changing them to become the strongest version of themselves. So I'm so happy to have him on here. Welcome to the show, Mr. Elliot Hulse. How are you today, sir? All is well, Sam. Thanks for having me, buddy. I want to take us back to a time where we, if you remember, Strength Camp 2015, seen each other, broke the incident. I don't know if you know that people still to this day message me about that video saying the way that you just said <laughs> breathe, that was it. I'm going to put a little clip off here and they're going to be like, wow, but that's, that's transformative. <laughs> they, they messaged me. They're like, some guy was like, yo, I listened to that clip before I deadlift. And I'm like, this is the strangest clip to listen to. <laughs> Isn't that <laughs> crazy, bro? Look, I'm really excited for this, for the, uh, for the, you know, the, the five people in the world that don't know who you are. I'm sure everyone does. And you are being pinnacle in the self-development community. Please give us a little introduction about who you are and what you do so that they have an understand. But I'm sure all they have to do is look you up and they'll understand who you are. Well, I'm a master's level strongman now that I'm 43 years old. Uh, strength coach is my profession. And I am the CEO of Strength Camp. And I am a mentor to millions of men worldwide through YouTube. And so my YouTube channels blew up early in the YouTube game. You know, I started as soon as YouTube started. So between 2007 and 2014, I had over a million subscribers and between two channels, 1.8 on one and 800,000 on the other. And uh, I am a husband, father to four children, and I live on 42 acres of cattle ranch in rural Florida. It's been a, it's been a journey. Both of us, I feel, especially you, it's been a journey from when you started to now. It's been, you know, there's levels to this game. People don't understand there's levels to it. Mm -hmm. There's like you you experience some stuff, you go to one level, you kind of master that, then you, you know, you transform. And your transformation has been very interesting. What's sort of been the pinnacle for you, you know, Elliot, back when he was 20, Elliot, when he's 30, Elliot, when he's 40 now, what's been kind of like the, the shifts that you've had, the major shifts in your life? Well, the most obvious are the things that show up in life, right? Like in my early 20s, I got married very early. I got married at age 23. I had my first child at 24. I was dead broke. I was $90,000 in debt plus student loans. Uh, we had just moved to Florida and struggling as a personal trainer. And uh, I got this idea that I would train people in the parks out of the back of my van. I had a 1988 conversion van and I started filling it up 
by going around the city by picking up like uh, used tires and I would fill up sandbags. And so I started strength camp out the back of my van when I was a dead broke dad uh, at, at age like 25, 26. By age 27, I started competing in strongman. And that sort of uh, parlayed into YouTube. So mm -hmm. uh, by my early 30s, I had taken my little warehouse gym that I had finally opened, which is just a little crappy garage in the crackhead part of town in St. <laughs> Petersburg. Where I was they had literally, they were literally crackheads just showing up at my door and prostitutes across the street. And um, I started using a flip cam, which probably no, most people don't even know what the hell that is anymore, yeah. but it's just a tiny little camera before phones had cameras. I mean, I had a flip phone, so I had a flip cam. I had two separate things. And so I started just filming the workouts that we were doing and putting them on YouTube and people were watching them. And I only put them up there because I wanted to get more members in my gym. Mm. That was the whole point. I wanted the guys that were coming to my gym to show their friends and, you know, the athletes I was training to show like, hey, here I am flipping a tire, right? Because we were doing odd object training before it came like a cool thing. And right? I was doing it way before it became like, you know, CrossFit. Mm. So it was like unique and they were showing people so I wanted them to bring their friends. So I put up videos on YouTube, but people worldwide were watching it. I, I didn't even know. I mean, back then there was no such thing as a YouTube celebrity. I wasn't trying yeah. to be YouTube famous. That, that wasn't even like in my mind. I had no clue that was a thing. Um, but by and by people started watching and I'd have 10,000 10, subscribers, 20,000 subscribers by 2014. Mm -hmm. And I guess, you know, you're asking me about age. So I must've been about 34 at the time. Mm. I had a million subscribers on my YouTube channel and it was pretty amazing. My life changed in so many different ways as a result of it. I didn't realize I was famous. Like I was still, <laughs> you know, I was still a dude. Yeah. And so I remember just traveling with my parent, my um, children on our first like vacation. Cause you know, I, was, I didn't have money for vacation. So we rented a car and drove to Tennessee and I'm literally in like backwards, yokel tennessee and like people are coming up to me and like recognizing me i'm like wow that's the first time i recognized that i was kind of famous so but by by the end of my 30s i went into a tunnel of sorts some people call it a midlife crisis but i was a little too early. i was a little too young for that mm. <laughs> a little too young to have a <laughs> midlife crisis but i did have a crisis of sorts where um i i lost track of who I was because I began to believe the reflection of myself in the mirror. Like people were telling me I was amazing and, and mm -hmm. I was like a golden boy on YouTube. And so my pride got the best of me. And you know, they say pride before the fall. Yeah. So I definitely had a inflation and then a rapid deflation. And mm -hmm. so to, to, to cope with, my just confusion about you know what do, what do I really want to do here right because I was kind of thrown into the spotlight and wasn't sure what I wanted to do with myself I started smoking weed <laughs> so I, I don't want to say I wasted but you know I, I spent like three three four years just being high all the time I had all this money and I had all this momentum and I was just kind of like slacked off by my 40th birthday I had a, a, a huge epiphany my father-in-law my mother my my wife's father so my father-in-law mm. um he was got really sick and i had a dream one night and in the dream a voice said to me elliot you and guy which is my 
father-in-law are going to make Colleen very miserable. And at the time I wasn't, I wasn't being a great husband, but I wasn't being a bad husband. Mm-hmm. I know I wasn't living up to what I could be. And so literally the next day he died and that what? blew my mind. I was like, I got to turn my life around. And so I had that epiphany. And since then, God has just laid it on my heart that I'm a father, right? I mean, you know, that sounds like, okay, big deal. You're a father. Of course, you're a father. You have four children. But it meant so much more to me. Mm -hmm. It meant that I was a father figure, like I said before, to millions of men worldwide. And I really had to take responsibility for the fact that millions of men are listening to me and following my lead and will do what I say, I had better been leading them the right way. Mm. And so I'd really re- reevaluate my own values and my own character and really begin to work on virtue rather than, you know, flash. And mm. so here I am, you know, today and a little bit of an oddball in my perspectives, kind of a, a boomer, some people would say, but I'm really, my aim is to make men strong again, but, mm. to, but really to do it through traditional masculinity definitely i saw on the website it was a few few kind of things you know i think it was traditional masculinity was one of them being a father figure as well as uh your your faith so let's take us through that like in terms of young men today where have they where is it where's it gone wrong you know because because i'm i'm able to say that it's gone wrong somewhere along the lines shit's shit's changed pretty well and it's not mm-hmm. it's not working and that's fair mm-hmm. enough to say, look, look where we're at. Look where we've just come through. So where did all this start? Has this been going on for years? Is this something that's been dripped through? Is this something that's kind of like just recent? You know, where, where has it had the biggest impact so far? Well, it's really accelerated over the past 80 to 100 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is not a new pattern. You know, if you study the fall of empires, there's a great book by a man named Glub who talks about how at the fall of every empire, there are certain predictable patterns that you can expect. Mm -hmm. And this cyclical pattern of rising and falling of a people uh, dates way back to the garden, right? I mean, when you read Genesis and you hear the story of Adam and Eve, it's the same exact story. That's why it's true. Maybe (laughs) it's true in a literal sense, but it's true in that that's what happens. Yeah. And where, you know, Adam has dominion over all things. He's, the guy, he's the man and everything bends to his will. He names all the animals. And so God says, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to bring you a woman. (laughs) And so he enjoys himself with his woman, but he leaves the gate open for seduction. In other words, he allows Satan, he allows a snake, he allows uh, temptation to come into his garden Mm -hmm. and whisper in his girl's ear. And so, you know, she, of course, as a woman, she's more susceptible. Women are more vulnerable. That's why they need protection. So they need these strong fathers. That's why they need strong men. But Adam, like men today, rather than standing up and doing what's right, mm-hmm. takes the bait from his wife. Right. <laughs> his wife <laughs> is falling, right? His wife is going down the wrong path, right? She's being seduced by evil. Mm-hmm. And Satan, I mean, and Adam, instead of saying, whoa, Eve, slow down. Mm-mm. And we're mm-hmm. not going that way. There's a right way to do things. There's a wrong way to do things. And we ought to stick to the plan. He goes, oh, I don't want to be without my wife. I enjoy her so much. I'm having good sex and partying and having a great time. I'm going to do what you want to do, wife. And as a result, the shit show we're in right now, mm-hmm. we see that unfolding 
time and time again throughout history. I mean, the, the entire Old Testament is, is that cycle. And it, <laughs> it's predictable. And I'm not yeah. saying that women are evil, but when men follow women's lead, that's when the society falls. Even the fall of, if you study the fall of Rome, when women started rising in prominence, as well as when decadence started to unfold, that's when the society fell. When promiscuity, contraception, abortion, women voting, women rising in prominence, pussy on the pedestal becomes like a normal and expected thing. That's when the society is on its way down. So you see this cycle of effeminacy, I call it, effeminacy in men, this, this, this tendency towards giving into pleasure, because that's what women represent to that. Mm, the giving simple into pleasure. Yeah, right. We simp. That's what it is. It's the simp cycle. It's a simp cycle. <laughs> so we're on a simp cycle right now. But the thing is, I've discovered, at least as it's unfolded in this most recent cycle, <laughs> that there are fomenters of this, of, of this uh, downward trend. There are those that know. We know how to take down a society because there's a pattern. Yep. And it begins with corrupting the women. And so if you're asking when it began here in America or in the West mm -hmm. uh, over the past 100 years, it now, of course, I'm not, I'm not nailing a direct date, but a yep. general, a generally around a date of, of 1917. Hang out. I'll tell you in a minute why. Yeah. yeah right. So without doing a being a pseudo historian, yeah. as the Bolshevik revolution unfolded in Russia and Eastern Europe, Mm -hmm. uh, there was the there was the communist takeover essentially, where they wanted to rule the people, but they did it through force. They did it through you know there was a revolution. They fought. They they killed leaders, right? And so it was more of a political and and a and a, and a um an economic revolution, right? Mm. They realized that this revolution wasn't going to go very far in the West because in the West there was more prosperity. In Eastern, Western Europe, and America, they weren't going to just come in and turn the people against, the, tur turn the middle class, or there was no middle class in you know, those other countries, but the poor against the, against the, you know, the wealthy. Yep. They knew they had to do it by corrupting the culture, and so oh, two wow. Marxists, by the name of Gramsci and uh, Lukacs, who are the founders of cultural Marxism. Anybody mm. who says that's, that's a conspiracy theorist because they don't know history. Um, <laughs> they realized that the culture was the battleground. Mm. And they understood that in order to take down the West, in order to bring it to where it is right now, where we're just weak and subverted, mm. they had to begin with weakening the father, taking power away from the father. And mm -hmm. Gramsci said, you gotta de-Christianize the West, which means remove God the father and remove the power of the father in the home. One of the main wow. ways, and you know, there's there's a lot of pieces to this. I'm kind of jumping all over the place. Yeah, yeah. But one of the main ways that you remove the power of the father from the home is to promote promiscuity in the daughters, mm -hmm. so that the father no longer has say. He had no longer has authority over the sexual purity of his daughter. Mm -hmm. So the whole sexual revolution of the 1960s created the chronic simp attitude that we have today, where when they release the twat by giving birth control pills, abortion, mm. hookup culture, so on and so forth. And then of course, pornography. And now it's like pornography is ubiquitous. Yeah. Um, that's when 
men really started to fall because no longer were we chaste and strong and mm -hmm. leaders and dignified, we then became pleasure seeking sissies that would do anything to get a crumb of pussy from a woman <laughs> yeah of course yeah and so here we are i talk i talk about like you know back in night in the in the the tens 1910 1920 the women used to drop their handkerchief to get the guy's attention they used to do the, the like an approach of the of a dude that's completely changed now completely different story so with that cultural change that cultural shift <laughs> right <laughs> the the underlying like foundation was to demasculinize men to feminize them to change the intersexual dynamics was that the whole idea of it 100 yeah you put it mm. very well right okay i mean a part of it there's so many elements to it but mm. a part of it was uh integrating the schools bringing boys together in schools prior to the world wars boys and girls were separate in schools for good reason boys and girls yeah. are different but today i mean if you want to know where that's led us transgenderism Right. Mm -hmm. So, oh, boys and girls can be in the same school. And then, oh, boys and girls are basically the same. Yeah. Oh, boys are actually girls and girls are actually boys. You <laughs> see that slippery slope that we went down? It, you know, people say, oh, what's the big deal? They hear me say crazy things or seemingly crazy things like women really shouldn't vote and boys and girls really shouldn't be in school with each other. Mm -hmm. But it's a slippery slope. Yep. Okay. Women can vote. But what do you have now? You have 60% divorce rate in most states, 90% of which is initiated by women. Why? Because when you give women the opportunity to vote, it doesn't, it's not that they're bad or they're stupid. What you do is you split up the home. You yep. split up the values within the home. If, right. if, if, the, if there's a family that mm. has a unified set of values, that's a family that stays together. Yep. But if they can pin the women against the men by offering different carrots mm. to the women, then say, and then women, you could vote. You basically cancel the man's vote and you destroy the family. Right. It's turning everyone against everyone at the same time. Race, right. gender. The family this. needs to be a unit. There should be one vote for the family. Yeah. But there's not. How many, I can't, I don't understand these people where in the home, the wife and the husband have totally different political values yeah yeah yeah, yeah true. that's not a family <laughs> no. yeah that's so fucking key holy shit it's it it's it is that slippery slope that you're talking about right Division. And it's not to say again that women shouldn't have a say hmm. but they should discuss it in the home and then come out with one okay well we're together on this right hmm. wife what do you think oh well i know well and then have a discussion but yeah. the family needs to be together in the, de the decision that's not the case anymore. No leader in the household, no leader in the community, no leader that's leading the country. And so this is where no, this is where the weakness comes in. Is this where you see the weakness coming in and then the destruction of everything? Right. Yeah. And of course, through the media, you, I mean, most men today unknowingly are anti-masculine and pro-feminine. They mm. don't even like their own masculine essence yeah. because for, for a variety of different reasons, but the media always portrays strong alpha male leaders as tyrants. Yep. If a, man, if a man has a strong voice, he has a strong opinion, he has a strong presence, he's a bad guy. He's toxic masculine. Yep. So any man that would in his own, through just by his own essence, be strong, be opinionated, be defiant, which is a uniquely masculine 
position. Men are the ones that create boundaries. That's what we're built for. We're built mm -hmm. for protecting boundaries. But when a man pre uh, presents that, he's considered toxic. So a man that would that feel that, hey, I just, you know, I, I need to speak up. I need to say something. I need to set some boundaries. He's afraid to because he's afraid of his own authority because mm. the media and the schools and so forth have taught him, uh, 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 play nice, be more egalitarian, be more like a little girl is really what they're telling us. Yeah. They, uh, as Young said, they don't embrace the shadow. They don't embrace that monster inside them and more of a, as I said, like just a, they're kind of fence sitters, really. A lot of the time, that's what I'm seeing. A lot of guys that come to me, they don't know what they want at all. They have no idea. They have no direction, no intent with anything they do. What, why, why is that? What has happened to stop men from having any intent with anything they do? Well, remember I said earlier before that in order to take down a society, you have to remove the father. And I put that in quotes yep. because it's a, it, the father, father means pattern. Okay. When we get the word paternity, pattern, pattern, father when you remove the pattern from a society there's no meaning right right you if you have the material let me put it this way if somebody dumps off dumps some building materials at your house mm. right just dumps it in your driveway here's a bunch of building materials and tells you make that into a, a house you're like well i i don't have a blueprint <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a, i don't have the pattern that that needs to go into so none of these pieces have any meaning hey, i don't know what this is they have no meaning unless there's a pattern. The pattern gives material meaning. Mm. And so when you remove God the Father from a society, the people have no meaning. Well, there, there's, no, there's nothing to strive for. There's no reason to be virtuous. There's no afterlife, so nothing means anything. I could do what I want. I could think what I want. I could be whoever I want. That sounds like freedom, but it's slavery to chaos. You got a bunch of materials and you don't know what to do with it. Hey, yeah. I made this thing over here and it looks retarded. You think about like the Lego movie. The Lego movie is part of Hollywood, right? Lego yeah. movie, it, it, it shows this. My kids watch movies and I pick out all the indoctrination in it. They hate when yeah. I watch movies with me. I'm watching the Lego movie and I'm like, the, the, the height of the Lego movie was, we no longer want to have rules about what to build with Legos. But at the end of the movie, all the things they build are crap. <laughs> you need structure you need the plan but the whole the whole movie is about you don't need any plan you don't need any pattern you don't uh, need a structure right. you just need love <laughs> and so you get a bunch of chaotic garbage <laughs> wow god the father through religion has in all times in all places set structure for a man in his life to have meaning to have purpose to have mission we don't have that. We don't have that at all, particularly in the West. Yep. Particularly in the West. If you, if you look at the Muslims, a lot of them got it nailed down. Mm -hmm. They haven't veered from this path just yet. The Rainbow Crew is coming for them as well. <laughs> but you remove God the Father from above, and then you remove the Father from the home. And you remove the Father from the home by what? Subverting his, his authority, right? Divorce. Yep. Uh, and then, of course, the cultural indoctrination, the movies, the music, the media that turns men into mush, yeah. makes us weak, makes us hate ourselves and then turns women against us. So if, you, if you're asking me, you know, why does it seem that men really have no they're sort of like floating? It's because we have no we have no pattern. We have no fathers. That, that's super interesting for people hearing that. that that's 
it, it may be new to them, but it's a, a thing that you and I have been preaching for a long time. A lot of the time, it's just strength, 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 being a masculine man, being an alpha man. What's your, your um, kind of opinion on this subtle change, this subtle nuance change in like the culture where the masculine alpha male, especially with women is now becoming more attractive, this subtle change over the last like six to nine months that you've seen that it's starting to shift. Like, where do you see that going? Do you see that being a force? Do you see this as something that's come out of chaos into order? Like Nassim Taleb would say, do you see that as a byproduct of what the chaos we've gone through now, it's slowly starting to change. Or do you think we have got a hell of a long way to go? Pendulum always swings. Mm. So, I mean, I was not aware of what you're talking about. That's actually great news. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of us just tend to be a part of the zeitgeist, right? Like there's a, there is a, there's a wave, right? Like going to say when the, when the, when the tide rises, all boat rises. When the wave comes in, all boat rises. So yep. it's like, this is just happening. And I guess we're all just kind of kind of riding this wave. But like we're using the word pattern, God works cyclically. There's a pattern. Yep. And so there usually gets to a point where we've gone so far, right? We've swung so far one way that it's inevitable. The pattern is just going to swing back this way. Now, if we don't come back on our own, usually there's some catastrophe as in our lives, right? Like for me, yep. for myself in particular, like I, I think about like I was going so far one way, I needed a catastrophe to bring us back, bring me back. Right. Same thing happens in a lot of societies. Hopefully we can figure it out and start coming back on our own. And I think a lot of us are doing that. Mm. So that sounds that's good news. I'm happy that you shared that with me. People, people like, um, you know, back in the day when we had the, the whole, you know, RSD and then RSD collapsing. And then now there's been a push for this masculine. You've got your, you've got your prominent figures like your Andrew Tate's, your fresh and fits, even though they might be a little toxic. These are the people that are coming up. They're at least promoting this masculinity, which is amazing, which is a thing that we need. It's not this like, you know, do this technique or this or that. It's more, yo, it's a whole, it's, it's your lifestyle. This has to be on point, not this one little area that you you may be a little bit more masculine or alpha in. It's like, no, your whole fucking life has to be. You have to live, breathe this shit, not just like pretend at this. I think, yeah. I think a lot of time people are sick of pretending. Well, it will all work out and come back when families are great again. Because right, right. now it's great because we have the internet. So we have information that's being yep. shared. But ultimately it has to happen at the grassroots. It can't just be an individual here and an individual there, okay. which is great. It's happening. Mm. But ultimately, it has to happen practically in the family, because if there are no strong fathers, this is like you say, just sort of you're just kind of playing with it. You're not yeah. really it. You're just playing with it. But what these men who are waking up to this, if they're if we're really going to create change, and we're really going to create momentum into the future. It can't be for us. It has to be for our children and our children's children, our children's children. Then the, the peak of this masculine movement is patriarchy. We must come home to fatherhood. Yeah. It, it won't happen the other way. Who just, I know I'm a father figure because there's so many damn weak fathers out there. I'm not, a, I'm not father to these kids. Yeah. I'm just a guy who had a good father. I had a great father and my mm. father had a great father. So I'm blessed in that way. I'm completely lucky. So what happens when I have a father is I can carry myself in this paternal way. I have this paternal instinct and patriarchal attitude towards the world. Once yeah. I started realizing that 
I decided that, well, this is, I have to carry this banner. I'll die on this, <laughs> this hill. But if I just make guys more masculine so that they can feel better about themselves, not be depressed without marrying and making families, well, then yeah. it's not going to go anywhere. And I know that the marriage courts are stacked against us. I know women today are difficult to deal with, but mm. it's not going to go anywhere until we embed this in families. The, the connection to that. So say, you know, like take, take me for instance, split family. I'm still, I still have an amazing dad. Where can, you know, these guys might not have an amazing dad. They might not have a father figure. They might not have had an older brother. Where can they start? right now say they didn't have anyone they want to get on this path and they want to actually make some change in terms of like intrinsically that holds them for generations to come where do they start where where's a where's a good starting point well where the world world is right now you're starting at a great place watch okay. andrew tate right watch whoever right whoever's giving you this sense of masculinity but ultimately if it's going to come to maturity right like if it's okay. going to come to its peak Yep. If mascul masculinity reaches its height mm. in paternity, that's the peak of masculinity is in generative paternal instinct, family. Mm. That's how you become a king. There's no king without a family, without a queen. So I don't know how to go about this. I just have my life as an example and I have a big mouth. So hopefully I inspire. <laughs> but the idea is we have to, one of the most important aspects of this is that there's no father without a mother. Mm. So what we'll have to do is find wives. Stop finding women. Stop finding chicks. Stop seeking sex. Look for women who are wives. And that's a very objective thing. You know, they say, mm. oh, love. Oh, it's all in the eye of the beholder. And oh, it's all <laughs> about feelings. That's Disney garbage. We also know now, as I knew for decades, that Disney is grooming kids. So yeah. Disney has been lying forever. So if we've been following the Disney protocol for falling in love, that's why we got where we got to go, where we are right now. Yep. A woman who cooks, a woman who cleans, a woman who stays at home with the children and raises the family, a woman who's submissive to her husband and trusts in his leadership, a woman who's not lazy and nasty, a woman with virtue, a woman with a low body count. These are objective points that you need to look for in a wife. Stop looking for pretty girls that have sweet puss. That's not going to fix our problem. Those women need to be bred out. We need to get rid of them. We need yeah. to find women that will bear good babies for me to raise to be alpha males. The half of the world, which is the, the super strong masculine women with the simp boys, what happens when they start? to breed and they create the same sort of people that they are. How does that work into men? They're on their way out. They're, they're not on, breeding. They're, it's okay. not happening. These right. are the same idiots that have abortions left and right. Yep. They let their children be transgender. So they're, they're like, you know, what you just described that polarity. Yep. Those are the families that transgender kids show up in. So those kids aren't reproducing. They're letting their sons right. cut their dicks off at eight years old. So that's fine. They're the same ones that promote LGBT. They're the ones that think that the world is overpopulated. They're the ones that are more interested in pleasure rather than sacrifice and family. So they only have one child. They're not replacing themselves. Liberals are on their way out because they don't know how to replace themselves. You know who's yeah. replacing themselves? Catholics, Muslims. Yeah. They're having babies like 
eight, nine kids. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the people who need to have more, more babies. Traditional people are the ones that are having babies. Conservatives have more babies. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just a statistical, statistical, statistical fact. So they're on their way out. Get they're the same ones taking, taking the, uh, the, the vaccine. They're the ones that, you know, because now they're yep. going to be sterile. Yeah. They're all they're sterilizing themselves. They're vegans or eating a bunch of soy meat. They're yep. on their way out. <laughs> their, <laughs> their whole ideology is causing them to be extinct. So I ain't worried about them. That's almost like when you have a germ that kind of becomes too powerful or, or you know, too kind of thing, it kills itself, kills the host, right? So they're killing themselves yeah. in the process. <laughs> that's fucking funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh man that's fucking that's it's so it's it's so deep rooted it's food it's fucking media it is literally everything you consume they've tried to go after like the consumption Mm -hmm. and this is where i think where i've taken from you very much so which is this idea of long-term validation long-term pleasure things that you actually actually have to work for rather than short quick forms of validation Aside from me chasing after girls that's that's just me you know what i mean that's something that i've been working on but even that i've taken vows of celibacy based on your teachings and it's worked out pretty well it's worked out that i've been able to attract the more high quality girl in my life based on your teaching it's pretty it's pretty crazy that a lot of times it seems so out there but until you do it then you get the result and you're like oh okay you know, it wasn't that out there. It was just that it, it seems out there for the whole rest of the population, you know, like it's been condemned. Yeah. One of the great things yeah. I wanted it's to go ideologically, it, it's weird in ideologically, but yeah. also we got to remember that sex is like a drug. Yeah. So it's not easy to tell a drug addict or an alcoholic. Ever talk to an alcoholic and tell him he's an alcoholic? Yeah. Like, hey, you should cut back and drinking. I don't have no problem. What are you talking about? I'm not an alcoholic. Yeah. He can't see it. Yeah. <laughs> so when you t- I say these things to a lot of guys, they're like, no, are you kidding me? Because right. you're trying to take away their drug. So, yes. Well, they're they're an actual drug addict. Like I had definitely seen the rise of sex addicts for sure. I know, man, I've, I've, you know, even where I live, there's a few of them. I'm like, man, like, you know, when when all their conversation is talking about that, when all their thoughts are taken, like it hijacks them almost this quick form serotonin, dopamine, oxytocin release. It's crazy. It gets them doing crazy shit, dumb shit. The other day I was on Twitter and and it was funny because the caption on the on the photo was, if you know, you know, and it was a stool with a foam roller and the vans and it went super <laughs> viral and everyone was either tagging you or saying something about you. This shit went viral. And I was like, Oh, I had to tell you because you've had such an impact in, 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 especially, you know, let's take bioenergetics, for instance, that has been fundamental <laughs> in, and it was just crazy. Like I'm talking like, it was like 60,000 like likes or something. Like everyone knew who, who, what it was, what we were talking about. Didn't even have to say it. So talk to us about, <laughs> Because I want to, I want to put, yeah, I know it's fucking funny, bro. I'm gonna put some fucking clips of of bioenergetics here, but tell us how you got into it, how you've been pretty much the forerunner. I've gone on YouTube, you've got the SEO on point. You are the man when it comes to bioenergetics. Everyone's on the whiteboard giving their shit, and you're fucking doing it. So give us like how you got yeah. into that more of, and if anyone doesn't know, I will explain to it a bit later. But yeah, bioenergetics in general. So I. When I was in my early twenties, I was still living. I was still living in New York, and I was going through a rough time. My my first daughter was born. I was living in my father's father in law's basement, and 
I, I got introduced to this guy named Osho. And I was reading his books yeah. about meditation. I was like, oh, wow, meditation might be helpful for me. Okay. And he had a unique spin on meditation. He called it active meditation. I was like, wow, active, because I'm an active yeah. guy. I'm into fitness. And so these active meditations were about using your body to get into a state of flow, right? So, you know, a lot of breathing, a lot of movement, just doing things with your body, uh, dancing around, just, just, just getting out of your own way by being physically free. That's what it was all about. And so these active meditations led me, or the books about active meditation led me to taking a workshop in New York City. It was a 21 day workshop where you did something called dynamic meditation, where you're doing, you're breathing, you're jumping, and then you're doing like lay down on the floor. And I was like, mm -hmm. wow, that looks awesome. Yeah. And so I went and took this workshop and I liked it so much that I hired the lady that taught the class for a session called bioenergetics. She said, I have a bioenergetic session. It's sort of like active meditation, but it's one-on-one. -on -one. Like, oh, wow. That seems pretty cool. So I did it. And I go into the first session and she has me doing some really wacky breathing. Like she has me bending my body back, have my mouth wide open and my eyes pushing out. She said, bug out your eyes, try to touch the wall of your eyes. So I hear I'm like this. And she has me breathing like that for like 10 minutes. And I'm like oh, shaking and I'm like, wow, this is intense. This is yeah. tough. When I'm right about to break down, like I can't do it anymore. She goes, okay, good, relaxed. Now walk with me over to this mattress. You had a mattress on the floor. And she said, lay down, face down on the mattress, hold the edge of the mattress and start sucking your hips into the mattress. She says, hump the mattress. So she says, keep your mouth open and keep humping the mattress. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck's going on, to be completely honest. I didn't, I didn't know what I signed up for. So I'm yeah. here going. <sighs> and then after about five minutes of that, it's like a damn broke. Boom. And I started laughing. <laughs> and I'm laughing so hard that tears are coming and nothing funny happened. I mean, what I was doing was pretty wacky yeah. and funny. But I was so I was so engaged in what I was doing. I wasn't thinking about how funny it was, mm. but I started laughing and it was like laughing, like when your belly hurts and the tears are coming and I can't stop. And I'm apologizing. That, like, you know, I hadn't laughed like that since I was maybe seven years old. I mean, who laughs like that anymore? It was just like taking over my whole being, just laughing, laughing, laughing. And I'm trying to apologize and catch my breath. I'm trying to say, like, sorry, I just I can't control it. And she explains to me very calmly. She says, that's OK. Let it come up, let it come out, and let it be. So I'm like, okay, fine. I'm just gonna laugh, laugh. laugh. It's like it's, I can't laugh anymore. And then I'm like, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> and she says, well, you had some blocked emotions in your body and mainly in your hips. And she could, she could, she knew this by assessing me, just by looking at me. She says your hips were kind of blocked up with uh, joy. She says, your, your hip, your pelvic area is the joy center in your body. You're, you're like joystick. I don't know. I know I did what she's talking about. So I got a joystick down there. <laughs> so this is your joy center. And we were through the breathing and through knocking the muscles, we're able to release the, the trapped emotion. Now you say this to someone and they're like, what are you talking about? Like, yep. you know, 
it doesn't make any sense, right? Like you could you could get into all kinds of pseudoscientific explanations, mm. but the fact is, I did that and I felt that, and I was like, this is wild. This is medicine. Yeah. This needs to be. People need to know about this. Yeah. So th- that's the essence of my experience with it. But many mm. years later, maybe about ten years later, when I was in New- when I was living in Florida, I thought of her again. One day yep. I thought of her. I said, I wonder how Cassandra's doing. I sent her an email and said, hey, I'm wondering if you know anybody that does that kind of stuff down in Florida. Because I, I just forgot about it. Mm. That's so busy. And she said, um, no, I don't. But you should read these books. And she named Alexander Lowen. Mm-hmm. I bought one of Alexander Lowen's books, realized he had 11 more. And I spent <laughs> like two months devouring all his books. And so he had scientific explanations as to what was happening. Wow. Like there's soft science because he calls it bioenergetic analysis. So it has to do with the soul. It has to do with the mind. It has to do with the emotions, has to do with the nervous system and the muscular system. It's truly holistic. And so I was, my mind was blown while reading this guy's books. He's got diagrams and everything. And so, and he's a really good writer. He's a super smart guy. He was a, um, he was an MD. He was a PhD. He had like, he had like two he was MD in two different sciences and he was a prolific writer and speaker. And so he was a genius of a man. And so I just fell in love with all of his work. I, one day I'm wondering, okay, this is great. I'm reading all this, but I want to do this. Mm. And in fact, I have the book right here. I, I go to the back of the book to see where it was published. And I saw that it was published in Alachua, Florida. I looked that up. I was like, oh, that's mm. two hours away from me. So I contacted the publisher. I said to the publisher, I, I said, hey, do you know, where I could learn more about where this is actually practiced. Yeah. And he says to me, oh, nice to meet you. I am the publisher of Alexander Lowen's books, but I was also his top student for 20 years. And I have a practice here in Alachua, Florida. His name was Dr. Glazier. Wow. So I started visiting Dr. Glazier. And he had me doing the, the mattress humping <laughs> and he had me doing all kinds of weird. Now that was just one part of it. Yeah. He had me do the first time he had me now, you know, I didn't know what to expect again. It had been 10 years. Yeah. He had me doing some similar breathing, but then he had me do this weird exercise where I started crying. And so I had another, what Wilhelm Reich, who's, who's Alexander Lowen's teacher. So like, that's the lineage. Right. Freud, Lowen, Freud, Reich, Lowen. Alexander Lowen, uh, uh, Wilhelm Reich called it the orgastic wave. Your body right. basically has many orgasms. Your only orgasm isn't when you blow your load. You can orgasm through the face. When you, when you laugh, it's like an ejaculation through your face. When you cry, you're ejaculating. You ever get like boogers and stuff? Yeah. You're literally ejaculating through your face. The same way energy moves down and circulates and it, it lets through in your penis, that's an orgasm. But energy is energy in the body and it can, you can ejaculate it up through the face. In fact, a, a good percentage of our orgastic ejaculation happens through the face if we are relaxed enough to allow that to happen. Most, and, and that takes some practice. So, and it takes some breaking through. So he had, she, he had me doing some breaking through exercises. And I started crying, crying, sobbing. <laughs> Nothing sad happened. It no, just came no, out. Nobody died. 
he was just having me breathe and move. And as a result, trap sadness in my heart, he told me. He says, you have a heavy sadness on your heart that wanted to be lifted. And through the breathing and the exercise, I was able to release it the same way I released laughing from my pelvis. So, you know, if at this point you're intrigued, you, I, you know, you know why and why I was intrigued, you can yeah. tell why. So I spent about two years working with Dr. Glazier until he died. And when he died, that's when I went into my tunnel. That's when I went into my, you know, I didn't mention it before because there's so many different pieces to the puzzle. Yeah. When I mentioned in my late thirties where I started to like sort of get depressed, it was literally right after Dr. Glazier died, right after he died. Um, I, I, I was so open and I was teaching people uh, bioenergetics on YouTube mm. and I was teaching everything that I was learning from Dr. Glazier. And I was like, wow, I'm bringing this to the world because it's so awesome. Well, right at the peak of that, he died. I freaked out and I left it alone. And I really haven't picked it up since. I've hired various teachers here and there and practitioners, but nobody was nearly as good as Dr. Glazier. I even hired Alexander Lowen's son, thinking like, hey, this is the, the master's son. He doesn't know what he's doing. It takes a very special person, very skilled practitioner to know what they're doing to get you to that state where you can have that kind of orgastic reflex. And mm -hmm. I think a part of the reason why it hasn't really taken hold is because that's a rare individual. Mm -hmm. I thought that I was gonna become that kind of individual, but I realized that wasn't God's calling for me. So mm. I basically left it alone. But if anybody's listening to this right now, and you're fascinated, study the work of Lowen and try to find a good practitioner and become a good practitioner because the world would be a better place if, if, if we didn't have all this trapped emotion. Definitely. I think you might not know how much of a fundamental shift, especially in the uh, self-development in terms of like the dating, the relationship sector, that that one video that you did on bioenergetics for social socializing or social conditioning or anything like that was social had on the world. Like, because I was so tapped into the niche of it, like I knew every sort of thing. I knew what was being affected, what changed different perspectives. That video changed paths for a lot of people. And I know everyone that I was dealing with would be like, would be in the bathroom. Like, you know, they'd be nervous to talk to the girl, right? So they'd go in the bathroom. They're in the fucking bathroom doing this. They're, uh, 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 they're doing this shit. And it, it, you might not know those things, but fuck, because I was tapped in, I knew everyone was doing that shit. So even to the point where I, I remember going to a bathroom and hearing some guy just like choking. And I'm like, what are you doing, bro? And he's doing the fucking backward bend. And he's doing, oh, I'm, I'm trying to, trying to release. I'm trying to, you know, I'm tense. And it's just like, oh, man, I remember doing that. I was like, man, Elliot had such a fucking, you know, pull on people. You had this like energy. I remember when, when I met you back in 2015, the, the aura that you had, there was an aura about you, you know, <laughs> where there was the, it was energy or anything like that. It's crazy to capture, but I want to tell you the story before we get into it, that um, I told you back in 2015, but it was very chaotic at strength cam was that you were the, the fundamental people in the podcast know the story where I was very, very depressed and almost committed suicide where I was, you know, depressed, got addicted to a lot of pills, rest of it, which is a uh, sleeping tablet because I had a breakup. I didn't, wasn't in RSD. I wasn't in anything like that. And from there, I, I one day I went around to like five different chemists to get the pills because you can't always get them from one chemist. And I was like, this is it. This is it. I'm done. Right. Had the bottle of water, had the pills. And I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll just 
I'll just go on YouTube before I, before I kill myself and go to bed. And I go on YouTube, I come across one of your videos and I'm like, damn. And then I go to another video, another video. And then I go to two paths to mastery, which is one of your videos with Owen. And from like that chain of sequence, I was able to put the pills in the bin and literally that 20 minute period of watching your videos, as well as that two parts of my, yeah, saved my life to where I'm teaching it. Yeah. It's crazy. It's amazing. Yeah, bro. Yeah, like, I think it, it was, it was one of the relationship videos, like the breakup videos, the night with the nine minute ones. And man, that was fucking like literally just saved my life, completely saved it. Like, so I credit you to being here all of the time. That's why this one is like so special to me. I'm like, oh man, I'm fucking soaking every minute of it. It's crazy. So when did you when did you know you had that pull on people? When did you know that it was like, oh wow, this is special. Like this is like this is what people are craving. Well, right about the time that I started cracking up, because yeah. I, I realized how much of an impact I was having, and I did, I wasn't emotionally ready to receive that. Right, like mm. I wasn't trained as a therapist. Mm. I was. I'm not a a priest. I, yeah. I don't know. I'm just a dude. Honestly, I'm just a dude. I have a lot of cool ideas because I read a lot of stuff and I have a big mouth. So when I started to get wind of stories mm. like yours, I didn't know how to handle it maturely. Mm. And so I started to get proud. Yeah. And yeah. And so with that also came this deep sense of responsibility like now I have to do it all. And I'm like, right. I, I can't mess this up. So at first I was like proud and I was like, yeah, look at me. I'm awesome. Then it was like, well, what if I'm leading them down the wrong route? Oh, like, you're like scared. So I started to have this dread. Yeah. Right? So it re I really got caught up in my head about it. And then, so I, you know, I had to go through my own growth as a mm. result so that I could emerge in a more mature way and handling it right like i hear you saying this to me now and i realize that it's only by the grace of god that i can that i am who i am only mm. by the grace of god i didn't make youtube yeah. i didn't make that up i didn't it, i didn't do anything it just mm. was there and i got a big mouth and i'm making stuff <laughs> so i didn't i can't take credit you know, like yeah. I can hear you and I say, wow, that's amazing. That's a cool thing. But it's purely by the grace of God that any of this stuff happens. So yeah. that perspective is so much more healthy mm. so that I can actually that I can now handle it. And I know I'm steering guys the right way because mm. it's less about how how many more people can I influence and look good because of yeah. and just allowing God's voice to move through me. I just I'm a vessel. And it's like, whatever, whatever's coming through me, whatever God wants to deliver to the world through me, I just get out the way and just let him do it. I don't and judge at all. Very, very similar to, uh, I just watched the genius documentary on Kanye West and his transformation into the more, the Sunday service, the, the mass of, he was just the vessel for this. It wasn't him. And, and so I, I see a lot of similarities between you two, definitely in terms of not allowing anyone to box you in ever. <laughs> ever you know i see that you know that that's that's kind of like i've had a look at people that that i've i've been looking up to or mentors i've understood that it's that idea of never being boxed in to anything you know never being this like yeah. ego that's attached to one thing because it's like all right well if that's that i want to try this and this and this you tell me i can't do that okay i'm gonna go do it 
you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, what, what yeah. was one of the things he's like, yo, you, you tell me I can't wear the MAGA hat? Well, I'm going to fucking wear it just because you told me not to. And that's been a, a real yeah. impact in my life. And I, I don't know if has that been something with you as soon as someone tells you, like, you know, because you want to be, you, you, you're open enough to be like, never box me in. I'm no one's, you know, slave pretty much. I'm no one's, I'm myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's just my nature. Yeah. I can't help it. You know, I, there's, I don't try to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's just the way I am. If somebody says, don't go over there. I'm going to be the first one over there. <laughs> if everybody's going this way, I'm going to go that way. Yeah. It's just, I have to do that. I don't know why. Sometimes it gets me in trouble. It doesn't always work out well, but I've been, I've been blessed uh, that most of the time it works out well. It's like a natural born leadership. I take that from uh, Robert Moore's teachings, you know, with the, uh, the magician, the lover, the king and the, the warrior. Mm-hmm. And it definitely, I remember different one of the- kind of leader, right? Okay. Like I had one teacher cause you know, I'm supposed to be a leader, but mm. I don't like leading people. Mm. And so I had a teacher say it to me this way. She said, Elliot, just because you're, you could be in charge without taking charge. I was mm. like, wow, that's, I was like, that's kind of a, a, a fucking fuck. I had to <laughs> wrestle with that one. Be in charge without taking charge. And so that basically means in charge. So if I'm just, I thought of it this way, like if we're charging, that means I'm just the guy in front. Mm. doesn't mean I'm taking charge saying, okay, guys, come do this. Okay, guys, this is what you, or, and, and micromanaging. I can't do that. I hate doing that. I don't want to be responsible for anybody. I really yeah. don't. <laughs> but I want to just run full speed in where I feel like going. So I'm in charge. I'm totally in charge. I'm charging. Well, I'm, I don't take charge. <laughs> yeah, I do that. have to take responsibility because I realize, oh shit, they're following me. But I'm not interested in like the traditional leadership of like, like making people do things or micromanaging or managing in any way, shape or form. In fact, I just rather be by myself. I'm sort of a weirdo. I just want to be weird by myself. And if people think what I'm doing is cool and they want to follow along, hey, let's go. Let's do it. It's but like don't you... get attached because I might change my mind. <laughs> That's a good call. <laughs> hey, Elliot, That's... what happened? I thought we were going over here. Yeah, I changed my mind. Well, it's not okay. my fault that you followed me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, that, that's the thing. You need to be on your own path, your own journey a lot of times because you can't follow everyone because yeah. then you're just, a, you're, 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 you're teaching yourself to, to, you're falling into that frame of being that simp following other people, following other people's, you know, ideas. You can do that for a point. Don't get me wrong to learn. Yeah. yeah. We're always following. We're always following, but who and why are we following? Right? Like most people are followers in, in terms of what the world finds pleasing. What's mm-hmm. the new pop culture? What's the current thing, right? The yeah. current thing I heard the current, you know, that's like the new, like people are talking about the current thing, right? Like there was a big joke. JP Sears did a video on the current thing. Yeah. So that actually comes from uh, GK Chesterson, where mm-hmm. he does this whole talk about the current thing. And he says the, oh, the only thing that goes with the current are dead things. Like if you look in a river and the river yep. has a current, mm-hmm. he says the only, only things that are going with the current are dead things a dead branch, a dead mm-hmm. tree, dead, whatever, dead, dead leaves, dead stuff goes with the current. So anybody that's going with the currents because their, their soul is dead. You're dead. You're just going with the current. He says, if you're alive, you fight the current. You, you go against the current. You try to get out of the current. You're doing something other than going with the current. 
Yeah. So I think that's a, a great way to, to, to describe most people. It's we're, we're always going to be following something, but are you just going with the current? And that's what most people are doing rather than choosing something. Say we use that same analogy of the river. You got to get out of that river somehow. So you're going to look for a branch that's attached to a live tree. So the mm. current's taking me. I got to follow something. I got to reach for something. I still reach for things. I have, there are people that I watch on YouTube. I, I have, I'm a fan of some people, yep. but it's because I noticed that person as a live branch. And I'm like, the current is taking me this way. I need to latch on so that I'm not being carried away. So most people, I mean, yeah. we're all following, but most people are just going with the current rather than being deliberate about what they're grabbing onto to follow. We take it back to socializing. It's like they're they're looking to do that to get the like from people, just to get that validation, just to get please like me. You know that that scarcity mindset that yeah. follows, like, oh, I must go with the current so people like me. This is what all the cool kids are doing, but it's like, nah, that's not the way to do yeah. it. Yeah, that's so interesting how yeah. it it all, it all bleeds from the mindset to your to your the way that you act, the way that you are, the way that you be. It's like it goes like a cascading thing what it impacts here impacts here. Do you believe that? Or is that kind of just something that I've taken from my experiences? Explain. So like a lot of the time it's like your, your thoughts or like your experiences that you've dealt with is what creates the belief and the belief is what creates the physical elements to you. So like, you know, take, take for instance, they had a bad childhood or something, their mother didn't love them and they're seeking for this love. And then their whole actions in their life are to do with getting this love from people you know, placating to oh, them yeah. so that they can like them. So it's a, it conjures up here and comes through, through their body language, through, through that mindset oh, yeah. or that belief. Yeah. hundred percent. Mm. Yeah. I, I see it in social skills, especially I see it as such a thing because people always want that validation. People want people to like them when really in theory, it's like if it, it, the, the law of duality, if you get people to, if you, if you don't care about people liking you, people will like you. It, it's fucking crazy like that. <laughs> it's like it? the, the whole paradox of life, isn't it? Elliot, last question for you. Thank you for your time today. Appreciate it. If you could change one thing about the world, what would that one thing be? Well, it would have a lot to do with what we're talking about in terms of this degenerate cycle that we continue to spin down generation after generation, right? Epoch after epoch. And I don't know if I would change that because, of course, you know, everything takes its course. But I would like to see traditional masculinity and the return of the family uh, in my own life, mm. right? Like it's it's inevitable that it will come back. It's because everything's cyclical. As you said, the pendulum. Um, but it, yeah. And, you know, things happen so quickly now. Like you mm. couldn't, from the time, I'm 43 years old. Some of the things that we're experiencing, I couldn't even have imagined. Like I could never have imagined that I would have to have conversations with my children about crazy things like boys have penises and girls have vaginas. Like eh, there's, yeah. there's no, there's no debate there. I never, yeah. I, I couldn't fathom that that would be a conversation. So now like nothing's off the table. I tell my kids crazy things like robots aren't people. Like, I just want you to be clear because they may be asking for rights at some yeah. point in your life. So things are happening so quickly yeah. that I get right. You know, so I could only imagine that, that, the pendulum is going to sw swing back fairly quickly too. And so yeah. I wouldn't, in other words, it I wouldn't change the pattern. I would just like to be alive to see it change. That's all. I can't wait for it because it's going to, every year is going to be something that we're going to see and going to be the great un unveiling of it all. The great reset, the great uh, kind of 
change of where I, you know, I'm excited for where humanity is going, even though some might not be. I'm still excited to see it because I see even yeah. after the last two years, it's been people have like opened up, people have changed. And because I'm a study of yeah. like uh, social dynamics, I, I love seeing it. So even though it's a catastrophe and what the fuck happened and all that shit, but it's interesting to see how people have reacted to it. The disgusting version of it, as well as the, you know, the coming together in the community also. Yeah, I agree. And Mr. Hulse, where can they find your work? Where can they find? I know YouTube is a big thing on yours. So definitely Elliot Hulse on YouTube, mm-hmm. but where can they also find, you know, they want to work with you. Where, where can they learn more from you if they want to work with you? Oh, just go to ElliotHulse.com, E-L-L-I-O-T-T-H-U-L-S-C.com or MakeMenStrongAgain.com. Uh, you'll find me on YouTube, Instagram. I make TikToks now. So, uh, I mean, everything's going to short form yep. vertical video. So, like, I mean, I'm just crushing those right now. Yeah, but, no, you, you definitely know, are. Like the things I talk about, yeah, I'm just having fun on there. So, as well as your strength camp stuff, don't forget that you're a big pioneer, especially in the fasting recently that I've seen. You, uh, you, uh, what was it that you got like deleted for a fasting post or something like that, or you got banned from something? about you would you know one person was like teaching about fasting and they got like banned for it like it was like unhealthy or like fact checked oh, yeah. or something yeah yeah that's right yeah yeah the whole can't cancel culture thing is kind of weird too like it's kind of arbitrary what they don't like sometimes it's insane they'll like one thing hated the other but thank you very much for your for your time especially and i hope that the audience really took in what you're saying because man it's been one of my favorite episodes so far it's been fucking incredible I appreciate you, bro. That's great. Well, thanks for having me, Sam. And keep up the good work, buddy. Thank you, brother.